Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Thursday. It's our it's our NBA draft edition of the Peristyle Podcast. It's currently Thursday afternoon, and uh, I got the uh, draft on up in the corner. It's about to start here uh, pretty soon anyway, and we wanted to talk some USC Trojan football with our pr- our buddy, our pal, our friend Dan Weber, uh, uscfootball.com beat writer and columnist. We had a big show couple big shows this week already we had harvey hyde as usual we had him on tuesday after i came back from vacation but we had colin cowherd uh from fox sports in studio so hope you guys got to catch that episode he talked a lot about usc football and usc's uh new running back coach uh delan mccullough so he came in and to studio as well and got to talk uh some usc football with him so a couple of really good episodes but we had a whole bunch of questions piled up and i tried to get dan weber on before i went on vacation to Hawaii. And Dan, I apologize. We, we had some Skype problems. We couldn't have it on. I was going to try to call you from the island, but I was like, eh, I don't think I want to do a podcast there. <laughs> so we have some questions piled up for you. So I hope, hope it's okay. Good. It might be a little longer today. Good. Okay. That sounds great. Um, yeah. So we're going to talk with Dan and we're going to answer all of your questions. I keep them all. So I'm sorry that we didn't get to them. Uh, last week, if you have any questions for us for the future, for any of our uh, guests or for me, whatever, podcast at uscfootball.com. That is our email address. Or you can call or text to 424-254-9141. That's 424-254-9141. Leave us a voicemail or send us a text message. Uh, we do have a couple text messages today. We will get to uh, questions for Dan. We are on iTunes. If you want to subscribe, iTunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast. We have our own URL, but we're also on all the other platforms like Google Play and Audio Boom, uh, Stitcher Radio, uh, TuneIn Radio. So you can find us just about anywhere. You can find a podcast. Look for Peristyle Podcast. If you can't find it, let me know. Email me, and I'll make sure it gets up there as well. Because there's lots of podcast apps up there. We try to keep them all on. Uh, hopefully, we get to all of them. Uh, all right. Well, let's talk to Dan. Because right now we're halfway through USC summer workouts because we're only get to see six of them. We've seen now three. And uh, they're not maybe as compelling, I guess you could say, as they were in the past. Yeah, I mean, they're very much more, uh, uh, you know, kind of a, well, it's like they don't, they're not having to get caught up or to, to do, it's like, they're reviewing everything. I mean, it's like this is a team that, that knows where they want to go and they're reviewing offense and defense. Uh, today was more like a, you know, a walkthrough, you know, a Thursday or, you know, almost like a, uh, uh, you know, a Friday, you know, on the road walkthrough, uh, kind of thing. I mean, it, it, you know, it's a lot of review. Now they, they pay it, you know, they pay attention like the defense really, you know, they're running a lot of different, uh, calls and different looks and different, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, blitzes and different, you know, reactions and, and stuff like that. But they weren't going full speed today, exactly. Uh, and, uh, without, uh, uh, Sam Darnold there, 
who's at the the Manning Passing Academy, uh, I think they kind of just said, you know, we're going to get a lot done, and 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 we can, you know, we're not allowed. We don't go in. They don't sometimes have the gates open, sometimes don't. But we get to see, you know, when you're walking around the field, you know, you know, you can't help but you know see them working out, and uh, they're getting a lot done in those uh, in those conditioning sessions. And they look much more like uh, football. I mean, like what they're doing in the conditioning also looks like it It has a lot of carryover to the football part of it. And with all the coaches there, uh, you know, it, they're getting a lot done. Uh, and they're pushing them hard. And it's like they don't have as much to do when they get to the player-run part of the practice. And so there isn't a lot, you know, for them to – to, for us to get to see, to be honest, that's probably a really good thing for this team. It's not such a good thing for us, but it's a really good thing, I think, for this team. They just look so much farther along, uh, you know, than they were last year. I mean, they just obviously didn't know who the quarterback was going to eventually be. And, uh, we saw, you know, a defense that, that was pretty good, but had a lot of breakdowns. I think they gave up 19 touchdowns of, uh, 40 yards or more, which I think, you know, they were a hundredth in the nation and giving up those long ball. I think that's the kind of thing it looks like they're really working on. You know, no more busted coverages, no more, you know, somebody, oh, was I supposed to be there? Uh, that's, you know, that's the big emphasis. It's, it's not, how fast can you run or how, although I will say that they're more impressive in terms of the way guys are moving uh, from what we can see in the, uh, uh, in the conditioning sessions, uh, the stops and starts and body control and angled running and all the kinds of things that, you know, that maybe they didn't always do so well, the pursuit where they overrun, you know, would overrun people and all that. I think they're really working on that. And, and, and it, it would seem to me as having seen them, having, you know, you know, high school football coach or whatever, and if you just said, well, this is what I'd like to see them work on, this is what they're working on. And, uh, you know, I like, I like that. I just wish, you know, we got to see, I wish we got to see more when we were there at the player run part of it, but, uh, but I think it's a plus, uh, what we're, what we're seeing. We just don't get to see it. One of the other things we didn't get to see, is don't panic everybody. No Sam Darnold this morning. And we didn't see Clay Helton, but apparently he was there earlier. Uh, well, so I fans think, uh, worried. The, no the, Sam Darnold. I think this was the head coach's retreat at, uh, Taranea. Where is it? Down in South Orange County somewhere? Taranea is uh, in, uh, uh, where's Taranea? Yeah, that's, uh, Palos Verdes. So that's kind of near, like, Oh, that's uh, the Palos Verdes one. Yeah. That's right. I get it mixed up with the, uh, which one ever down in, in South Orange County. But I think they're having the head coach's retreat. So I think he was there and then he, he took off for that with, uh, you know, with the AD, you know, I guess, the, you know, the top people in the athletic department. Uh, and then, uh, and then Sam was at, uh, Nickel State and, uh, gosh, I'm trying to think. Is that, uh, Thibodeau maybe? Louisiana? Uh, South Louisiana, man, the, the humidity is probably 140. Uh, but, uh, uh, he's down there, uh, you know, at the Manning Passing Academy. Oh, uh, okay. So, I didn't so know where was. Of good, you know, uh, Lamar Jackson is there and Josh Allen, the kid from, uh, um, 
of, of uh, Wyoming that everybody thinks so much of, and Jake Browning, and you know, the Western Kentucky kid is there, so uh, which is kind of neat that uh, uh, Brian Ellis, who is the new you know offensive uh, assistant uh, analyst, uh, is uh, was his coach last year, so. So that's uh, a pretty good endorsement for for Brian's uh, former player. And there's uh, we've seen four new faces, um, and that's pretty much it for right now. That's there. So a couple safeties: Bubba Bolden and Isaiah Poamau. Um, also got to see Stephen Carr, the uh, the running back, and Levi Jones, who definitely. Uh, I mean, when you look out there at the you know at the defense. He was the tallest guy. Sometimes. I mean, he's a, that's yeah, a big guy. I didn't guy. expect him. I mean, I, that when I saw him first time last week, and and that shocked me. Uh, that you know, he, I know he's he's been listed at six three. He he just can't possibly not be bigger than that. I mean, he's uh, you know you'd start at six four, but uh, he looks more like a your classic defensive end. You know, uh, he just uh, they got a lot of tall kids. I mean, you know, you got. You know, Connor Murphy and, uh, you know, just in Port Augustine, obviously, and, 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 you know, Rasheem Green and, and those guys, but, uh, Levi Jones, uh, he was, he's, uh, well, you saw him and it was, you had the same reaction I did. It was like, wow, look at him. Yeah. <laughs> he stands out. You're like, that guy's new. <laughs> uh, yeah. it's funny. My, my wife, Jana, came this morning to the workout. So they're down there. It started about 7 a.m. and we probably got there at 6:45 or so. And you know, just from her, you know, looking around, she's like, "This team looks a lot bigger. They look like there's a lot of grown men walking around here." So she was definitely impressed with what she saw. Yeah, they have a different look. There, there is a different look. Uh, they were still young, you know, last year, uh, and they're not. They're not this year. They're not, you know, growing into their bodies or anything. And the freshmen. I mean, you know, you've got one safety 6'4", one safety 6'3", uh, you know, and the freshman. Uh, and then you got, you know, Levi Jones. And then Stephen Carr, he no more looks like, you know, a kid that should still be in, you know, just or just graduated. I mean, those four that came in into the early, to the early session, I mean, are really, uh, you know, mature kids physically. I mean, they are... It's not like you'd say, well, he's a freshman, he's got to fill in or he's got to do this. No, not with those guys. They really, they look the part. So, so your freshmen don't look like freshmen, which is, is it's always a good thing. We, um, I wanted to talk a little about the offensive line because there was some shuffling, uh, going around this morning and we saw some guys, you know, playing some different positions at the limited amount that we got to see. Uh, we had a question about Andrew Voorhees. Do you think, they want to know is he more of a guard or a tackle and let us know, you know, what you thought about him and, and what looked like the offensive line, what they were doing this morning. I think Andrew Boyce is, is one of those kids that's going to be able to play, you know, wherever he wants. He's big enough, you know, if you want one of the road grader type guards, but if you want the six, six, uh, rangy, uh, tackle, I think he play there. I mean, I, he, he, he probably have, of all the players, there are a lot of guys, Marlon Tui, Apolitu, and uh, just a whole lot of guys that are really impressive physically, you know, who came in here. But Andrew Boyd was the one of all the players that, that shocked me in terms of just his general physique. I mean, he just, he really doesn't look like, you know, a freshman. and He, he looks like an NFL player, uh, you know, in terms of size. He's still... He looks like the back might be still a little stiff, but 
he doesn't look out of place at all uh, at, at, you know, say at right tackle. Uh, but he wouldn't look out of place at guard. He might, you might say, okay, we need to maybe put a few more pounds on him. Um, uh, just because if you want a, you know, 320 pound guard, but, um, but, uh, he's, uh, he, he, you know, he's real impressive. And, and they're starting out. It looks like each practice, uh, you have Nico Fowler at center more than, more than not. And you have, uh, Toa Lobendon at left tackle more often than not. And he's bigger. He's, uh, you know, I don't know if he's 300 pounds yet, but getting there, I mean, he looks like, you know, he was always a little undersized. He does not look uh, that much undersized at all now. He just looks like he's had that normal, you know, growth and maturity uh, that you got, you know, after, you you know, you've been in, you know, college three years. And, um, uh, but they had Chris Brown at left guard today and, uh, Jordan, uh, Vianney Talamavaya was not there, so you had Jordan Austin at right guard. And then, uh, I think Andrew, I think he's gonna be one of those guys that can play a lot of places, but, but I, I would not totally write him. I, I, we had Chuma Doga at right tackle. But I don't, you know, uh, it wouldn't be the biggest shock in the world if Andrew Voorhees is in that, uh, that five man group that, you know, uh, that they say they're looking for. I mean, they're, they're going to mix and match them, and they they go for versatility. They really want guys that can play multiple positions, and uh, and they do. I mean, few teams that's got uh, two veterans who could both play center, and uh, so. Uh, but I I I I think Andrew Voice has got a shot. I think he's got a real shot to uh, to play a lot, if not start. All right, uh, and he was out actually out there, so he got banged up a little bit in the spring. So he's actually out there uh, doing. It was a back thing, right? I think he had. Yeah, I think it's more of a back, a muscle, you know, muscle spasms in his back. So it, it looks like he might be just a little, a little tight, but uh, but uh, he's just a good-looking athlete. I'm 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 really impressed with him. Yeah. Really. We, uh, we were talking about tall guys, uh, with Levi Jones coming in. Another one, we have a question from Tarek about Connor Murphy. Uh, what can we expect from Connor Murphy this season? Tarek asks. Well, I mean, I do think you're going to have a four man rotation and he's going to be one of them. And he's six, seven and probably, you know, closing in on, I guess, I would guess 265. Uh, but, you know, with him and, and Porter Gustin and Yuchana Nawusu and, uh, and, uh, Alawali, who, who now has stayed exactly at 250. I mean, he's exactly where he was last year, 6'3", 250. But he looks, he's a tighter package. Uh, you know, he's, he's got, you know, however much he body fat he had last year, he doesn't have any this year, it looks like. And he just says he's, you know, much stronger. Uh, and yet he's kind of the, you know, the, the mini-me guy out there in that four-man, you know, rotation on the edge. Uh, but uh, Connor is kind of that big, uh, big guy with the long arms that's going to make it hard to throw the ball through him. Uh, going to take away the passing lanes for court, like a, a kid like uh, Jake Browning at Washington. Uh, they have guys that can take his passing lanes away. I mean, I think they, and I know he had some 
you know, injury issues a little bit by that time last year, but uh, but but those guys really took his passing lanes away. Uh, Porter Gustin had a really you know good game that that uh, that game, but but I do think they're they're going to play four on the edge and uh, and they're going to do a lot of different things with them, and they should be able able to. But but that's a that's a position that just looks like. Uh, is there anybody in the country that has four better, you know, better looking athletes, uh, guys that, that can do the things you want them to do? I'm not sure. I mean, those guys look, they really, that's a position where everybody has really grown up. I mean, and, and Clay just raves about Uchenna, uh, as, you know, not only just an athlete who's just grown, you know, grown into, you know, again, 200, probably 243 or something like that. But, but a guy that's showing all kinds of leadership, uh, with that group. And so, so it's, it's pretty exciting. That's a, that's a group to keep your eye on because that's one of the other places they really have to improve other than, uh, the giving up the, the, you know, the long ball is they've really got to get to the quarterback. They've really got to improve yeah. their sack numbers. And a lot of that is just individual, uh, technique and just having a sense of, uh, how you do it, how you close, you know, instead of getting close, you actually make that play. It's like what happened with Devon Kennard when he was a senior after, you know, three years of getting close, getting close, but, but, you know, having a little stiffness or a little this or that by the senior year, he figured it out and he's doing it in the NFL as well. But, uh, I think that's what you hope out of that group is that they all become playmakers and they're all able to you know, to use those, uh, you know, those athletic gifts that they've got. I mean, I know a guy like Porter, you know, you're talking about just about, you know, maybe not quite six five, six four and a half, and uh, 270, and working like crazy on his flexibility every day, he says, and that's, uh, that's going to be a key with him. He's certainly big enough, strong enough. Uh, he's just got to be, have that kind of ability to, to just get around the, you know, the offensive lineman and get to the quarterback. And, and that takes some, some real flexibility. And I think you're, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if that group can put it together. But if they can, they can really, uh, shut people down. I think I have the potential to make life just absolutely miserable, uh, for, uh, you know, for quarterbacks. Second part of his question was, is the depth of the team sufficient that we would get back to redshirting a majority of the incoming freshmen? And I, I believe, I think, I think USC redshirted like 13 freshmen last year. So, so I mean, they did it. They did the majority last year. They did it. Yeah. yeah and I, th- I think the thing about that, it's a different calculus now because if a kid's good enough, he's going to leave after his junior year. So are you, you know, I think mostly it's, you know, are you good enough to be in the rotation? If you are, you ought to be in it. And if you're not, you shouldn't be. But, you know, I think the idea that, okay, we can redshirt him and that will have him for four more years, you can forget that. That's going away. I mean, look at this year's class. I mean, USC could lose five or, five or six juniors. I mean, you know, if you count Sam Darnold as a, you know, a third year player, but, uh, you know, you just go down the list of, of how many good players they have that are third year players that will be eligible to go. So, uh, 
are you doing any favors to yourself or your program if those guys don't play as freshmen, you know? Now I guess you can look back on, on Sam and say, would, would, you know, getting him, uh, you know, and how you would have done that, I don't know. But had you not redshirted him as a freshman, would he have been more, you know, on the radar in your, you know, you know, as a starter from the, you know, the war, you know, the first game? Uh, I don't know, but, uh, but it would be a shame to maybe only have Sam Donald for two years. Yeah. And that's certainly a distinct possibility, especially the way he's been yeah. playing. Um, let's move on to Stephen Poway. He says, now that summer is here, it's not too soon to start thinking about the incoming freshmen and who will make the most impact on this team. I think it's a given that Marlon Tuipilotu is most likely to have the most impact on this team. So who among the following do you think will have the most impact for this squad? Joseph Lewis, Austin Jackson, Stephen Carr, Andrew Voorhees, or some other freshman not mentioned here? Thanks, Steve and Poway. You know, I don't think there's anybody that you mentioned that doesn't have a shot. I mean, I think it's it's harder if you haven't been here. All of them except Austin Jackson, I guess, have, have all been here. Well, Joseph Lewis. Um, and until you actually see, like, Joseph Lewis on the field against or with and against, you know, the guys that he's going to be competing with, I don't think we know. I, I you know, it's, it's just, you don't, you don't get to see the same competition level. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, even in college, for example, look at how good Washington looked last year against everybody they played. I mean, they were just laying waste to people. I mean, they were running patterns and guys were so wide open and they were, you know, scoring 50 points a game. They didn't play a great schedule. They caught Stanford when Stanford had everybody injured. But, uh, but then they get, you know, USC and all of a sudden they're superior athletes in a team that had played really tough competition to that point and all of a sudden Washington didn't look like the Washington you know that we had seen all year up until then and um, and I think that happens with the you know with really you know good high school players you just don't know uh, you know some of them it, it's like they're still playing high school they're that good and they match up against whoever they they match up against and other kids, you know, you realize, wow, these guys are way better than I played against, you know, in high school. And uh, so you really do, you really got to see them. I mean, that's the thing I thought with, you know, with uh, Andrew Voorhees, uh coming out of Kingsburg and that. You just don't know until you see him on the field with these guys. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't pick any of the guys that we haven't seen on the field yet. I wouldn't pick against them either uh this is you know this is a team that that certainly has a shot at, at getting a lot of those guys into the rotation i mean the four freshmen that came in in the early summer session all have a shot you know at being uh you know in, in the two deep i think and um and uh you know how many of the 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 ones that uh, you know obviously marlin uh, you know, has a shot and Andrew who came in, you know, earlier. So this is a freshman class that, that may have more, even though there, there are more 
you know, players in the mix that are, you know, growing up and, and getting bigger and better. This freshman class might, you know, last year, you know, I kind of said, you know, they don't really need the freshmen to come through. Uh, and I'm, and I'm not saying they do this year. They absolutely need them or whatever. I just think, you know, it's going to be hard to keep some of those guys off the, you know, you know, off the field. I mean, they're really, um, you know, they're, they're just so many opportunities and they look physically, uh, capable, you know, of, of, of taking advantage of them, you know, and, and when you see like Marlon to a Pelosi go by, he doesn't look like a freshman in any way. I mean, there's the, just the look on his face, the seriousness, uh, the way he goes about things. I mean, you wouldn't even begin to guess if you brought somebody in from the outside, they wouldn't even be able to begin to guess that he's a freshman. I mean, there's just no, there's no way you would guess that. And the same with, with those safeties with Palomao and, and Bubba Bolden. I mean, they don't look like freshmen. Stephen Carr doesn't look like a freshman. I mean, you know, uh, it's going to be fun, I think, for, for you guys and for us as well. I mean, we're, you know, we can't wait to see. How does how does this work out? Because uh, you know that's going to be right away. You're going to you're going to find out some things about you know about some of these kids and uh, and, and there's some you know some real potential for kids to just say, wow, look at this kid's a freshman, but he's not playing like one or he doesn't look like one or whatever. So so stay tuned. I, I'm not I'm not going to pick the the ones we haven't seen. Yet, though, I'm just not going to throw them in there because I just don't think it's fair until you actually see them. Yeah, like you see Levi Jones, you're like, huh, that guy could do something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the first play he made, well, he got the first day, John Houston wasn't there, so he got to go with the first group. You know, and he made a break on a ball and almost hit a pick six And uh, last week, and you thought, wow, that was really naturally, you know, he didn't look like the moment's too big or anything's too big for him. And, you know, he moves well and, uh, just seemed like he was, you know, right, you know, in the middle of everything. And, uh, you know, he certainly looks like he belongs. The, uh, we got a couple questions from Eddie and Whittier. He texted them into our text line. So that's cool. Um, he said, Hello, Ryan. Happy official start to summer. The countdown to kickoff officially begins. Woohoo. I have two questions. For Dan, one, with the summer workouts and fall camp uh, soon approaching, who will be the leaders slash captains going into this season? Who do you think, Dan? Well, I think uh, Clay went out of his way in our my sit-down with him to tout Uchenna. He really, really, uh, you know, just said that he's, uh, he's really stepping up. Uh, if you watch him, uh, Cameron Smith and, and Chris Hawkins on defense are clearly, you know, the, the leaders, uh, you know, on the defense. On the offense, you know, he may only be a redshirt sophomore, but Sam Darnold, it's hard to, he's vocal, he, you know, he, he's vocal in an understated way, but he's very strong in his opinions about how things should be done. Uh, uh, then my guess would be, I think Nico. I think this Nico, there's this something about his personality. Uh, you know, especially if you're playing center. Uh, he just 
he looks and acts and and I think he's very comfortable with being this you know in the center of things and having the responsibility the extra responsibilities you know that come with with being a center but uh but I, that that's kind of the direction I uh, I think I would go uh with those guys yeah it makes sense to me um his second question it said it's not football uh what are the possibilities of USC starting or looking to start a men's soccer team now with the new uh LAFC team and also the LA football club, I guess he's talking LA about. LA football club. Yeah. yeah. LA football club with the new idea. stadium and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Be- I mean, yeah, you would think that would be, cause you know, USC with the 21 sports is kind of a toward the bottom number of, of sports. I think poor Cal, you know, with may, you know, be going bankrupt, but I think they've got 28. I think Stanford might have 30. I mean, so, uh, I mean, I, I, yeah. You know, obviously, they've always been pushing, uh, you know, women's softball. I think USC could be nationally competitive within two or three years. Uh, the way, you know, the number of scholarships you get, the number of, you know, athletes in Southern California, the fact that they're not looking to go pro and they're looking for a good education. I think USC just becomes so quickly, uh, competitive. So, so, but I do think men's soccer and, uh, and, uh, would be, you know, a very smart thing. I mean, that stadium, you'll be amazed. You haven't been here for a few months. Uh, when you come to a football game, that stadium is, is, it's, uh, you know, it's getting, it's up there. I mean, it's not, you know, I mean, right, you know what it, you know, where it's going to be and what it looks like. I mean, it's, uh, every day you go by there, that stadium is, uh, is moving on and they say it's going to be ready, uh, uh, for 2018. So. Uh, it would be ready for USC if, uh, and one would think they, they've got a, a deal where they can use that for both the men's and women's soccer. I mean, kind of under the radar is the fact that, you know, we're getting little notes saying USC's women's national champion defend, you know, defending national champion women's soccer team. And, and that kind of flew under the radar. Uh, you know, the fact that, you know, they won the women's national championship last year. Uh, so yeah, I see you would think having that facility basically on campus, you could be just a, 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 a big time powerhouse if USC really chooses, you know, to go that direction. Uh, and obviously they've won, you know, since I've been around, they've won two women's national championships. So, uh, uh, they're, you know, they're probably already there as far as the women are concerned, but, uh, you know, that's, that be hard not to take advantage of that, of, of that LA football club, uh, you know, new stadium. I mean, it's going to be the $250 million stadium. So, you know, it's going to be as, as nice as you could possibly, you know, ask for. And, uh, the only thing I'd like to see is, is can it be configured so they could also play women's softball there? That would be, that would be, that would be my goal. So, because, you know, you just don't have that much space on campus. Uh, although some have suggested if the soccer teams can move over there, they could turn, uh, you know, McAllister Field into a, uh, into a women's softball, uh, you know, facility. We'll see. But, but I'd love to see them add those two. Um, yeah, that'd be nice to see. I never had any indication from talking to, Athletic department at USC that they're ready to add sports. 
Um, no, they were talking about it's how much is it? A, you know, the was it? Pat was saying and it was hard for Pat to, <laughs> to talk about this because you know with his uh, his uh, uh, salary, he probably could have started two new uh, <laughs> two new sports. Unfortunately. Uh, but I know they said that you would have to almost immediately commit a million dollars, uh, uh, you know, to a, a new program, uh, a year. So, uh, you know, whether that, you know, maybe if they were getting some Big Ten type TV money, they could do that. Uh, but, uh, as long as the, uh, Pac-12 TV deal is going to lag as far behind, uh, you know, those other schools, uh, it's going to make it, make it a little tougher. That, that, that something's got to happen to get USC and the Pac-12 back in the game with the, uh, the way the Big Ten, the SEC are elevating their, their TV dollars. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's going to make the Pac-12, uh, more non-competitive quicker than anybody would have imagined. Well, if, if you guys haven't checked it, checked it out yet, uh, you, Dan did a great piece on the Pac-12 up on uscfootball.com. Little Dan, Dan, uh, background history in there too. And Tark actually had a question about that. Will you be bringing up, uh, the streaming problem and other, uh, problems to Larry Scott at Pac-12 Media Day? Uh, I usually, I always try to get, they sit at lunch at tables. And that's when you get a chance to get him. So I always get at his table and I always, uh, you know, try to do it. I mean, and one of the problems is there are some really serious issues and they have gone in not the right direction on a number of them. And there are people that really are unhappy and yet you don't want to, you don't want to raise those in a way that, that where you come across as just being, you know, too prosecutorial or whatever. So you kind of walk a fine line. Uh, but I think it's it's going to be more difficult for Larry to, you know, kind of. I mean, here's the. I mean, the problem is they just upped him for four more years to 2022. So he got no worries. I mean, he's you know he was the first conference commissioner in the country to go to get three million a year. First conference commissioner in the country to get four million a year. Uh, and, you know, they just said here, you know, four more years, we're, we're all, you know, happy with the way things are going. And yet for all these specifics, you know, like, you know, the Pac-12 network only reaches 15 million homes and, you know, the SEC and the Big Ten are in like 65 million. Pac-12 network said we don't want to affiliate with either ESPN or Fox. We want to keep it all to ourselves. You know, as we said, you know, uh, 100% of nothing is, is still nothing. Um, the fact that, and I hadn't, hadn't seen this number recently, but, uh, Pac-12 networks in 15 million homes, but the failure to get to DirecTV to work out a deal cost them 22 million homes. If they would have gotten into DirecTV, that's another 22 million homes that they don't get into right now. And, and that's a killer. I mean, it's just, you know, they're non-competitive really with uh, the Big Ten and the SEC who affiliated with Fox and ESPN. And, um, 
and there are a lot of issues about uh you know the the third tier rights and the Pac twelve's got them all and hasn't been able to, you know, basically do much of anything with them. And uh you know, where like in the Big Twelve, Texas keeps their own third tier rights and they get, you know, fifteen million dollars, you know, for them over and above their T V deal. Uh I think Oklahoma gets like eight million or whatever. So those, you know, programs, even in a conference that's having all kinds of problems, uh, are making more money than the Pac-12, uh, you know, the so-called conference of champions and, you know, in all these kind of, uh, elite cities, you know, on the West Coast and all that. And, uh, they have not had the answers and it's getting tougher and tougher to just say, well, we'll wait and see what happens for, you know, our next contract in 2024, that's just not a good enough answer because of the way it's changed so rapidly with uh, regard to, you know, even the Big 12, but obviously the Big 10, the SEC. So we're going to try. And he doesn't have to answer anything. And, and, and we don't get really good answers. And, you know, the woman that ran the Pac-12 network, she's leaving. And didn't ever get any answers from her other than, you know, she said, well, we didn't really promise you, you know, or, or we're doing what we said five years ago we were going to do. And that's the thing. Things have changed so much in the last five years, except for the Pac-12. They're still kind of where they were. And nobody else is. And, um, you know, you can, you can bring those up and you can say them and you just, you know, I mean, Larry will admit, for example, that their bad TV contract cost Christian McCaffrey the Heisman two years ago. All those, you know, in order to, to make the money that ESPN and Fox, uh, you know, promised them, the Pac-12 had to agree to play all these uh, second fiddle late night games. And so somebody like Christian McCaffrey, he doesn't get seen uh, nearly enough. Uh, you know, where he obviously deserved the Heisman two years ago and people didn't get to see him. And, uh, and they admitted it, you know, Larry admitted it. Well, those are real consequences, uh, from mistakes that, that they made. And, uh, we don't get any sense that, uh, that they're getting better. The one area we'll give them credit for, I think the, the David Coleman, the new, uh, well, new, this would be his third year, football, uh, head of the football officials, they are getting better. It isn't quite as much of a, you know, a circus as it was. It's not as much of a penalty fest as it was. So they said they were going to try to do better there, and I think they have, have done better there. But uh, they're still not where you'd like them to be. There's still too many penalties, but uh, it's improving. But uh, But the media stuff, not improving at all. No. Uh, but definitely check that piece out on uscfootball.com. We have one from Steve. Have you heard any rumors of grad transfers? Which position do you think would benefit the most from a quality grad transfer? Haven't heard anything. Nothing. You know, last year, it was pretty late when we were starting to hear the Stevie rumors. Uh, and of course everybody knew you needed uh, a nose tackle. Uh, but, uh, haven't heard anything and I'm not, you know, convinced that 
that, I mean, once Marlon showed up in the spring and you thought, whoa, uh, I think that kind of sense of maybe we need another Stevie, that kind of went away, knowing that Jay Cavalli was going to be on his way, you know, in the fall. So otherwise, Ryan, I don't think I can think of a position where you'd, you'd say, wow, you really need somebody here. Yeah, def- definitely different than last year. Um where you knew there was some kind of defensive tackle need, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see a, a you know quote unquote need like you had before. Uh, there have been some rumors out there, and you know I, I think people are you know coaches are looking, but it's got to have to be the right situation, and and it's not easy for that to happen. So uh, I doubt something happens, but you know we'll see. We'll we'll stay tuned. I, that. I mean, I think the the other thing is if you're a grad transfer, you want to go somewhere where you're going to play, and you look at position by position at USC. It might not be that obvious that, okay, I could come in here at this position and play. I mean, I guess if there were, you know, if there were, uh, you know, some four-year offensive lineman from Alabama, they might be able to find a place, you know, to put him. But, uh, but other than that, it's just not real obvious that, uh, this is a place you could step in and, and play immediately. Yeah. Uh, let's go. Anthony in LA. He says, great job as always. Two part question. First, how's our special teams progressing, specifically the punt game and field goals? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, the punt game, I think, uh, it just is going to be, you know, what does, uh, you know, John Baxter decide to do? Does he, uh, you know, does he, you know, one of the, I mean, I think, uh, why can I think of his name? Our Australian guy, uh, Chris Tilby. Uh, yeah, I want to call him. I always want to call him Colin. Anyway, uh, I think he can kick the ball as far as you want, any way you want it. Uh, so I don't think that's going to be any kind of a problem. I think that's strictly going to be Baxter's call as to, you know, are they going to directional, are they going to, you know, kick it away and turn them loose and, you know, cover. Uh, as far as what I, what I, I don't know what we're going to see, uh, you know, with the field goals, uh, and the, and the, uh, and the kickoffs. I think, I think USC is probably in as good a position as it was last year, uh, at this time. But, you know, Matt Bormeister obviously, you know, came on and got better and better and better. And, uh, and we'll have to see. Because we keep hearing about the kid from the modern day kid, uh, Michael Brown. Or, or? No, the the modern day kid, uh, blah, 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 whose name uh, escapes me. Who? Boom, boom, boom. Help me out here. Are you from uh, which position? What are... We haven't seen him yet. Uh, uh, trying to think. Uh, for what position? What, what are you? Uh, the kicker, the kicker from, uh. Oh, okay. And, and didn't he get a kind of, uh, is he, is he gonna blue shirt? How is that gonna, uh. Um, uh so Michael Brown's the one that came in and blue shirted. Uh, yeah, Michael Brown came in last year, but I, I keep hearing that there is a, uh, maybe it's just a walk on from modern day, maybe, who, 
people are kind of excited about that will get in the mix and we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I think Michael Brown, uh, started to come into his own, uh, you know, as the season went on. I mean, he had a, a great resume out of high school. Uh, I do think he will be able to kick the ball into the end zone much of the time. I think he's got that kind of a leg. Uh, I, I just think, you know, just he's got to, you know, work his way into feeling comfortable, you know, in the, uh, you know, the field goal situation. I mean, he, he, he kind of kicks it. it. He has a look about him more like one of the old straight ahead kickers. You know, he's just, he, he doesn't have that big leg, uh, you know, whip like, uh, you know, like Bormeister had. And, uh, uh, I, I, I don't know how that's going to turn out. I don't know, you know, if they're going to be to the point where you're going to be able to win, you know, the biggest game of the year with the biggest field goal of the year and all that. I, I don't know. Uh, how the, uh, how the, you know, return game is going to go. I mean, there are some athletes. Obviously, Jack Jones, I think they're getting ready to, to do some things. Uh, you know, as a punt returner, uh, will Velas Jones be, uh, the kickoff guy? Uh, you know, uh, Dominic Davis, you know, they've got some speed, uh, but they've done very little in special teams, did very little in the spring. Uh, in terms of really trying to, you know, put that all together, especially the return game part of it and all. I mean, they you know, gave a lot of guys a chance to catch punts and, and what have you, but as far as actually putting it together and, 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 and naming guys and all that, that's not, that didn't happen at all. So, uh, so that, that may be the one place of, you know, where it looks like they're really, really ahead of themselves having, uh, you know, uh, Gosh, I guess they had basically had everybody in place, including the snapper, snapper, punter, place kicker, return guy. Last year, they went into last year solid as you could probably be. And this year, you know, they're probably not nearly as solid. You know, you're going to have a new snapper, uh, new place kicker, and, and new return guys. You know, only your punter, pretty much only your punter, you know, is back. So uh, that's kind of unknown territory as to where it is and it, it's not something that they've devoted a great deal of uh, of time to and then the second part he said i'd really be hyped to see a rematch with usc penn state and the rose bowl this time with a national championship bid on the line looking at both teams i think it's a great possibility do you agree fight on anthony in la uh yeah but i think it's a possibility uh i don't know <laughs> i want to play penn state again uh, the way that was, you know, that turned out. Although I think, you know, if you come in and, and, and you don't give up the big plays, things uh, are a lot different. Yeah, I guess it would be, cause I know the way some people are, are uh, doping out the, uh, the playoffs. They, they see Alabama one and USC four. And so one plays four in the Sugar Bowl, uh, where Alabama would be host. But, uh, but I'm more like it. See two and three. I'd like USC to be two or three and get the host in the uh, in the Rose Bowl. Uh, that would be the ideal scenario of all. I mean, I guess my dream scenario probably would be uh, USC and Ohio State two and three playing in the Rose Bowl, where you get the whole traditional uh, Rose Bowl from you know 
all those years of USC and Ohio State in the Rose Bowl, and with a trip to the champ, you know, the national championship game on the line, you could not ask for anything more than that. And if you could get, you know, the uh, Pac-12 championship game first uh, of December, and then the first of January, you could get, you know, have that build up and get USC and, and Ohio State in the Rose Bowl, you know, for the trip to the championship game. I'm sorry that it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. A couple more. We'll let you go. We got Martin in Ontario. He says, there's been a lot of talk about players stepping up for this coming season, but what about the coaching staff? It was disappointing to see so many players get drafted so late and undrafted, especially the offensive line. Has there been any signs of the coaching staff improving or working more drills and techniques uh, on both the offense and the defense? Thanks for all you do. Fight on Martin in Ontario. Martin, I might read it the other way, that having those guys drafted where they were drafted maybe is a sign that, the coaching staff got a lot done. You know, I mean, I think you can look at it, uh, you know, a couple of different ways. Uh, first of all, I mean, you know, they all, they had one year with those guys. So I don't think it, it all, you know, is determinative, you know, on them. Uh, you know, they just, you, there's only so much you can do. And I think like with the offensive linemen, there's just so much you can do with guys that big and, and, and they're, you know, for their fifth years and, and what have you. I mean, they're just so, so I think I would look at the draft and say that it probably said good things about USC's coaching staff, that, that they came together the way they did and were able to, you know, have the kind of season they, they had with not a lot, you know, not as many guys that, that got drafted. I mean, they, you know, they didn't compare to, Let's say Michigan and, and obviously we know Alabama, but they didn't compare with, you know, a number of, of those teams in terms of, you know, guys going off to the NFL. So, so I don't think there was a, you know, a failure of, of the coaching staff to, to get the job done last year. I think they did, they did a pretty good job. I don't think, you know, it was necessarily the way you know, the coaches would have liked to have gone, let's say, on the offensive line. I think that, but that's who you had and that's what they were capable of doing. And so I think you, you know, you, you just, you dealt with it the best you could. Uh, but, uh, so, so yeah, I don't think they've got to prove themselves after last year, that coaching staff. I, I really don't. Uh, I, I, maybe the, you know, I'd like to see fewer breakdowns in the secondary. I mean, I'd really, that would be something that, that you'd like to see happen as a result of, and, and we're seeing it, I think, already this summer that, you know, that seems to be a big, a big emphasis. But, uh, but other than that, uh, I think, the, you know, in terms of, uh, I think you're going to see uh, running backs who all can catch the ball. I think you're going to see running backs who, um, who are going to be uh, fundamentally pretty sound block, and, and that's not a knock on you know Coach Robinson. You know, I think it's uh, you know Delaney McCullough coming in when he's coming in with players who are where they are in their career, and just the way he coaches them. Uh, I think you'll see some things that you'll say, okay, that looks better, or that looks better. But I'm not sure that that's any kind of a 
a, a you know a, a slam at uh, at how they were coached uh, last year. I, I was I'm pretty upbeat on the way they figured out what they had to do and how they had to do it on a weekly basis with who they had to to get what what they needed to get done. Uh, uh, you know and do it do it pretty well. So so I'm 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 not going to say that last year. Uh, said bad things, you know, said the coaching staff really wasn't where they needed to be. Uh, and if guys didn't get drafted as high as they did, they were here a long time, uh, most of those guys. And, uh, you know, it wasn't last year's, necessarily last year's coaching staff that did anything, uh, you know, negative, you know, in terms of, in terms of their, you know, NFL situation. I got one last one for you, Dan. We'll let you go. This is Philip in Maryland. He said, I am a lifelong USC fan, originally from Kentucky, and I want to, oh. I want to go to my first Trojans game this year. Have you heard? Is there a military appreciation day game? And if so, where do military members get to go to get tickets? Thank you guys. Fight on Philip in Maryland. You know, they did have one last year. I don't know. And, and, Basically, they honored, you know, a military person every single game. That's really something that they've done, done quite well. Usually, at the end of the first quarter, and it's someone in the USC community, uh, at a time, you know, a student or a, a uh, you know, a teacher, uh, but a veteran who, uh, you know, was given an award and really nice, uh, nice job by USC. And I'm absolutely certain that most of re- recent seasons there has been and it usually it's more toward the end of the year end of the home season where you know they honor uh you know military people and uh, and veterans and, and people in uniform but i don't know and i don't know if they've decided that and i don't know we'll uh we'll try to remember that ryan and we'll we'll keep we'll find out what we can find out and we'll uh have an answer for you yeah, Philip, uh, drop us an email, okay. let us know. We'll see what we can, uh, take care of for you. We might do our own little military appreciation day for you. So we'll figure, we'll figure something yeah, out. Yeah, thanks, so. uh, thanks for your service. Uh, we really appreciate it, Philip. Yeah. Thank you so very sure. much. We know some people. We can make a few phone calls or emails. So we don't, I don't know specifically if there's a day, but if you have a, t- a day you want a, a game you're coming out for, let us know and we'll see what we can do for you. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. That's the least we can do. Dan pulls strings all the time. You know, he knows everybody. Over there. <laughs> we, we we do what we can. All right. Well, Dan, great stuff. Uh, you know, again, sorry we didn't get to have you on last week, but we got saved all the questions and we got to them all. So uh, thanks for everyone for sending those in, and thank you, Dan, for answering them all. Oh, well, didn't answer them all, but we're, we're and, <laughs> and I don't think some of them are answerable quite yet. I, mean, I think that's one of the things you gotta like about uh, sports and and football and that is. The kids answer the questions for you, you know? I mean, we want to speculate, we want to look down the road and all that, but the thing is that, that I enjoy so much is watching these guys come out every day and answer the questions as we watch them. Uh, so some of these things, you know, we can give you an opinion or, or whatever, but uh, the kids are going to be the ones that answer the questions. And uh, I saw a great quote. I'm glad, in a way, uh, P.J. Fleck, uh, uh, from Western Michigan is now the coach at Minnesota, so we won't see him uh, with the opener at Western Michigan. But I just saw a quote. I think I might even use that in the war room. He said something like, uh, 
bad teams are completely coach driven. Uh, good te- or decent teams are both coach and player driven. Really good teams are player driven. You know, it, 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 the players are the ones that decide on the really, if you're a really good team, that means you got really good players. And, uh, and he, he made the point that it's not a, you know, it's not all about the coaches. And, and I like it that, you know, you want to be a player's coach and you want to have the players that you can coach, but it's up to the players. I mean, let's face it, as good a job as Pete did, he had great players. You know, I mean, that's, uh, that's where it starts. And, uh, you got to bring them out. You know, Troy Palomala and Carson Palmer played for other coaches. And people didn't realize they were great players. But, uh, uh, you know, you like the, you know, the, the thought that it's going to be the players that determine, you know, what happens, which is why when we watch these player run practices in the summer and how serious they are, uh, you know, about what they're doing, uh, makes you feel like, okay, this team's got a chance. These guys, you can't make them want to do it. They have to want to do it. They have to be able to do it, but they got to want to do it, and it's got it's about them. Yeah. And I think that's what we're seeing. All right. Well, that's Dan Weber. Check him out on the site on uscfootball.com. Putting up stuff every day. Hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Peristyle Podcast. Did four shows this week. I don't think we're going to get a recruiting show in because we got a lot of war room stuff to do for Friday morning. So we'll try to get one of those done uh, next week. But hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 